you see a new face, say hello. Yeah. Hello, I really like your mustache. Yeah. Good morning, and welcome to Hill City. Just so glad that you're here. And I really do believe that every one of us, that you guys are here on purpose, and that God wants to give and speak to us through his word, and not just so that we could grow, but that God could speak in, into you, that he can use you and speak through you. If you're a guest, my name is John. So glad to have you. We're having a newcomer's lunch. It's next week, I believe. So please join us. If you're brand new to church, need to meet some people, have some questions, uh, we want you to join us next week right after church, right after church. So just excited for that. We have been on part four of the sermon series. It's called Storyteller. Say Storyteller. And, uh, and last week we talked uh, about, uh, we, we talked about uh, just what parables were. Parables are God, are, is Jesus. He's giving you a glimpse in, into the deep things of God. When we, if you read a parable just on surface value, there's more to it. You got to dig into every story. Parables are short stories that deeply point us to the reality beyond themselves. It challenges the hearer, say hearer, to think and change in light of God's revealed reality. He's saying there's a deeper life that we can live. And that we settle for just a living just the way we are. But, but something in all of us, uh, there's a frustration in all of us saying this cannot be it. I don't care if you believe in or God or not. We were all made to understand there's a purpose for us. That this life, that what we're doing is not it. There has to be more. And in the parables of Jesus, that's what he's trying to reveal. That this is not it. He's leading us past the surface, revealing many of the broken things in the human condition. So that he could lead us deeper into being more human. I call it being more human. And what that means is being like Jesus. That's what it means. Be more human like him. So today I want you, as I read the parable today, I want you to read yourself into the story, confronting who you are and the character that you actually play. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Last week we talked about the strong man, and this week we're talking about good Sam. Good Sam. Sam is not his name. Sam is his race. But if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 10. All right, I'm going to do that again. We celebrate the Word of God because we believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. Please turn to Luke 10. All right, all right. I'm going to pray as, as we go. Heavenly Father, more than anything, reveal your good news. I believe that people need to hear your good news. And sometimes we need to hear bad news to know that there is good news, Lord God. I pray more than anything else that people in this room who has ears to hear, let them hear what you're trying to tell them today, that your Holy Spirit would awaken our hearts and our minds today and clearly they would understand you clearly they would hear you in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen amen so we're going into the book of Luke and and, and it's really the letter of Luke and people say all the time Paul wrote most of the Bible actually per word count Luke wrote more I mean most of the New Testament but Luke wrote more of the New Testament than Paul he writes a lot 
He wrote two books of Luke and Acts, and he writes a lot of the New Testament. A very thick writer. He was a doctor, so he was a very well-educated man, and he put in order. The reason Luke wrote Luke and Acts was to put in order Jesus' life and ministry. And Jesus and, and what, the, what happened after the resurrection of the church, these ragtag bunches of people that came together and actually changed their world. They changed their world. And so here's, here's Jesus. He's beginning, he's beginning his ministry in Capernaum, and it's really beginning to take steam. People are beginning to flock to him. They, they've never heard someone like this before. And so he gets together these guys and, and, and these girls, and they, he says, I'm going to send you guys out. And he sends them out, 72 of them, two by two, telling the good news of salvation, that God has a plan to save them, that God has a plan for your life. That's the big thing, into eternal life. And when we think of eternal life, we think of, oh, yeah, someday Jesus Things are going to be good. You know, we have these things where there's, uh, there's these uh, winged angel babies that fly on clouds. And, and that's absolutely a crazy idea uh, that I somehow have gotten into movies that we get wings and stuff. I, I don't know how that has happened, but that has happened, right? Anytime you hear about angels, it's chubby, chubby babies with wings. And uh, somehow that has happened. But he's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the eternal life that begins now. That begins now. If not someday. Someday is here. Jesus is saying the kingdom is here. So they, these guys, the 72, they start driving out demons and casting them out. They start healing the sick. They start bringing hope and purpose and saying God is with us. He's with us. And he's not saying figuratively. No, he's with us right here in Jesus. But not everyone is happy. Because when, when you say something like this, when you go out like this, not everyone is happy. It's typical, right? It's typical. Good things are happening, but there's always people that are not as happy that good things are happening to certain people. So many Jewish professors, leaders of the law uh, at that time are offended by Jesus. They're saying, who is this guy? Has anyone ever been there before? Who is this guy? This guy's from Nowheresville with weak credentials from this common family with this construction background. Where does he get the nerve trying to teach us? We're the experts. We're the experts of the law, right? Jesus, you're not one of us. How dare you try to teach me? I'm going to teach you something. They're offended by Jesus. And I believe many of the times, more than anything else, we're offended by what Jesus has to say about our lives. We're not offended by all these other things. We're offended by the words of Jesus himself to us. And we have to figure out if we believe Jesus and he's Lord of our life or we believe ourselves and I'm Lord of my life. Have you ever been offended? Right? Some people were super easily offended. Some people, we just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, right? Some people get offended at work, right? A boss says something or a coworker is trying to get your job or at school or at church or by a friend or by a spouse. Have you, uh, if, you, if you're married, have you ever offended your spouse before? I have, like, yeah, all, all the time. And then we have, to, we, have, we have to kiss and make up again, right? And, and so she's smiling, yes. We, I offend my wife quite frequently. I try not to. But there's things that I say and do that I say the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. Have you ever done that? Like, I could have said this at any other time, but I said it at this time and it didn't work out. I should know my timing. I, know, I need to know the, the timing, right? 
But offense is normal. It's triggered by a blow to our, like, our, our, our pride or our honor, right? Like, you shouldn't have said that to me. It contradicts our self-view, how we should be talked to or our identity. And, and, and it might come from people treading on our territory, right? Uh, I remember uh, one time uh, we were offended because uh, this, this, uh, we, were, we were driving in our car and this, we, were, we had this single person in the car and they were telling us all about how we should raise our kids, right? And Candace was offended. I was like, I don't care. Don't listen to her. <laughs> Don't listen to her. But, I, but you can get offended that way, right? And pointing out our weaknesses, our insecurity. And listen, we all deal with blinding pride, all of us. I don't care who you are or how humble you think. You have that shirt that says I'm humble or whatever, you know. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. But we all have blinding pride in our life, hidden issues that we haven't dealt with in a false view of ourselves. We do. Think about that for a moment. Self-awareness is a huge thing. Do we struggle with a false view of ourselves? And is that one of the things that are holding us back from understanding the words of Jesus? Is that one of the things that are holding us back from really diving deeper into life with others, right? And this is where we pick up the story. See, Luke 10, 25 to 37, I'm going to read a bunch, right? On one occasion, an expert of the law, and uh, it's, uh, he's not talking about a lawyer. He's, it's a religious professor of this law stood to test Jesus. So he's come to test Jesus, and he says this, teacher, rabbi, and I don't know why he said that because he didn't mean it. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? This is a setup. This guy is trying to set up Jesus. He's not here to listen or to have civil discourse. No, he's here to win, right? Have you ever had a conversation with someone where it's a setup? You ask a question, and it's not, you're not asking a question because you want to have a good conversation. You're asking a question because you want to win. You already came with the answer. You're now wanting to listen, right? And, I, and we all know how this goes, right? It never really goes well, right? So this guy, he's trying to win to shut Jesus up and to point him out as a false teacher, the enemy of the people, and the enemy of God. Verse 26, and so Jesus answers, what is written in the law? And he's like, ah, right? How do you read it? So he flips it back on this teacher. And the teacher answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course he knows the answer. He's been studying this a while. And Jesus says this, you've answered correctly. Good job. Good job, right? And then he says this, now do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. You guys see what Jesus did right there? He flips it right at the end. He knows that the teacher knows the answer. And a bunch of us, if we would be asked questions, we know the answer of what to do that is right. We know the answer for some of the things in our lives. He didn't say know this. He didn't say know the answer. He didn't say memorize this. But he said do this. Because there's an old Jewish saying, to know and not to do is not to know at all. To know and not to do is not to know at all. James actually said to know to do right and to not do it, that's sin. That's sin. That's Jesus' little brother saying that. So verse 29, but this guy, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Say the word justify. Yeah, I think that's a Justin Timberlake album too, right? 
But justify, think about that. Anyone like this guy, you always need to justify yourself. You, does anyone have a friend that just justifies everything like, oh, I, this is how it happened. Let me tell you why I did what I did. Anyone like that guy? Always, I'm always justifying myself. Just, I don't know. I, even before I say sorry, I have to justify myself and then say sorry. You, it, it always says the word but. But, right? There's always this justification, right? The other day, this is, doesn't even make sense. The other day, Candace provided this beautiful dinner. We ate dinner. And then at 10 o'clock, I was at Walmart. And I, I started, I bought a Subway sandwich. And I was just eating it alone at, at Walmart, eating Subway. And I, and I was telling everyone, I'm eating well. But, you know, it's a Subway sandwich, cold cuts. It's not that bad for you. And I'm, so I'm just downing the sandwich. And I'm actually eating it so fast so that Candace doesn't catch me eating it. <laughs> This is so lame. And, and, and she says, so she calls me. She goes, John, where are you? And then she goes, no, I see you. <laughs> She's on her phone. She's checking out. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I'm just trying to eat the sandwich as fast as possible. And I said, it's okay, babe. Uh, you made a wonderful dinner. And I worked out earlier today. I, I've been good all week, which was not true, right? If fried chicken's good all week, then that's true. But it was my second dinner. And I was telling her, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get healthy. But I said in that moment, I need two dinners. I need to eat the Subway sandwich. And I ate it extra fast. So if she didn't catch me out, she would have asked me, what, do you, what did you do? And I said, oh, I was just waiting here for you. Right? But do you ever catch yourself justifying actions in you that you would never accept in others, right? It's okay for me to do this because whatever, fill in the blank, right? I normally don't do this. That means you normally do it, right? <laughs> I normally don't say this, right? Right, that means you normally do. That's why I tell my kids. When someone says I normally don't do this, that means that's what they always say. That's what they always do. Because why do you have to set it up if it's you normally don't, right? Trying to persuade yourself. But that's why we understand in ourselves that no one lies to you more than you. No one lies to you more than you. Trying to mask insecurities with justification. We tell ourselves, it's okay why we can continue to be this way. Giving ourselves an excuse why we don't need to change. And this is what's going on. So I want to ask you some questions. Have you ever justified a bad decision you made? Why or why not you're the way you are? And this is a big one. I'm the way I am because whatever justification, right? Or certain things have happened or not happened to you in life and you said, it's because of this, that, and the other thing, right? Uh, in, in psychology, it's called illusory superiority. It's a condition of bias where a person overestimates their own qualities and abilities in relation to the same qualities and abilities in others. And there's a little slide up there with a cat looking at a mirror, right? And, and, and it's, this, it's this positive illusion of intelligence or task or desired personal trait, right? And, and, and what I mean by illusory uh, superiority is, I, this is an easy way to tell you, is teenage drivers. Teenage drivers. If you ask a teenage driver if they're a good driver, guess what they'll tell you? They will say they are the top drivers on the road. Right? They took a survey of teenage drivers, right? And 98% of them said that they are the more advanced drivers than others on the road, right? And 88% of them said that they are safer than most people on the road. But according to parents and insurance agents, this is obviously not true, right? What else? I want to speak to some of you newlyweds. 
newlyweds all year, like, oh, man, I won't make any eye contact. There's a couple in here, right? There's a couple of newlyweds all over the place. But normally, newlyweds say, we have the best marriage. They say things like, no one has a love like ours. That's what all of us said, <laughs> right? No one has a love like ours. We are different. Like, they, are, we, they don't know what they're talking about. We're different. But yet, the opposite is true. Most marriages are in trouble the first two years, the most, right? Because they're, you're most blind your first couple of years, right? These are the years that you must listen and grow together. You must glean wisdom and understand you don't have it down. That marriage is hard work and you need other people in your lives. You need to ask for wisdom. And I can go on and on and on. There's other things like health. Most people think they're healthier than they are, right? But listen, in all of us. Not just teenagers, newlyweds, and chubby Korean pastors, right? But in you and me, in our relationships, we justify sin in our lives. We justify things we should change, our actions or the lack of actions. And this is what Jesus is pointing out here in this parable to this teacher of the law, right? He's saying, you got some blind spots that you don't see. And so he says, let me tell you a little parable. Verse 30. So in reply, Jesus tells him this parable. A man was going, and most of us have heard this before. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So they left him fully naked and half dead. I was like, that is the worst kind of robbers. If you want to be robbed, you want to give them your wallet. You don't want to be left naked, right? This is a bad robber right here. In verse 31, a priest, this religious dude, and he's a pastor of the church, is going down the same road and when he saw this man he passed on the other side he's like man that guy's naked I, I, I need to go to church right now I got a sermon to preach verse 32 so too a Levite this guy who grew up very religious guy when he came to a place and saw this man on the road passed on the other side but verse 33 but a Samaritan say Samaritan that's a big deal because because Jews and Samaritans were enemies for years and years and years they battled each other they hated each other they treated each other with such disdain full of racism calling each other dogs and calling each other less than human less than human so Jesus uses the very person look a Samaritan the person that this teacher would hate to talk about a Samaritan as he traveled he came to this man where he was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to bandage up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he put, his man, put this man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36, now, which of these three, he t says, to this teacher of the law, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say the word, the Samaritan. Just think about that. There's such racism that couldn't even say it. Jesus told him, he said, all right, go and do likewise. I, I think Jesus had a little smirk, though, on his face. I could see it. Go and do likewise. 
what is Jesus saying here? This guy says, how do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus tells a story about a Samaritan. He just like tries to throw you off because he's not trying to just answer our question. He's trying to answer the intent of our heart. And a lot of times in our prayers, we think God's not answering our prayers, but he's trying to answer the intent of our heart, the things that we need to face. So Jesus is saying here, who cares what you say you believe to this teacher? And he's saying to us today the same message. Who cares what you say you believe? A Jew or a Samaritan, a Democrat or a Republican, a priest or a gangster rapper. Don't tell me what you know. Rather tell me who you are in this story because this parable is the litmus test of our hearts. Who are you in the story? Right now, who are you in the story? Are we, are we the priest? Are we the Levite? Are we the good Samaritan? Who are we in this story? But what we don't see is that this story is much deeper than seeing how good we can be and how religious we can be. It goes much deeper than that. So those who have ears, let them hear. That's what Jesus would tell us right now. Push in just a little farther. This conversation started with the question, how can I inherit eternal life? How can I get something from God, right? Eternal life was the main deal. But here Jesus is saying eternal life doesn't start one day when you do good stuff. Eternal life is something that has to happen to you. It starts now. It needs to happen in your life right now, in this life. Jesus is here to bring salvation now, his kingdom now. Because we could not save ourselves and God knows that this, if this is about eternal life, he needs to tell us, you cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. So God came to save us, and that's the good news. That's the message of this parable. You're like, where is that? I'm going to break this down to you. Those who have ears, let them hear. But why is the Samaritan the hero of the story? It could have been anyone else. It could have been the priest came by and left. The Levite came by. Then this really good Jewish guy came by. And Jesus says, be like the Jewish guy. But no, Jesus says, he doesn't say that. Jesus uses a character who could not have been any more different from the guy asking the question. And when we ask the question, how can, we, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus is showing us it, you, it's so much different than you think. But why? But why? Because in this story, we are not the priest. We are not the religious Levite. We are not even the Samaritan in this story. Who we are in this story is the guy who's naked, bleeding on the side of the road. We are. That sin is killing us and pride is separating us from God and from one another. And that Jesus, the good Samaritan, put himself in the path of danger, took on himself the sufferings of ourselves, right? Took on our sufferings and that we caused ourselves and poured out on us his love, his resources to save us. So Jesus is telling this man, this teacher, you're the one bleeding to death on the road. You're the one bleeding to death. And the only hope that you have is an act of radical grace by the person you are least like. From an enemy who did not owe you a thing. And what happens in your life? You may, maybe you have an enemy or whatever you can think of is the enemy. What if that person rescued you like that? What would your life look like when the person you hated most loved you the deepest? 
I think our lives would look different. The way you would look at people would be different. You see, Jesus is not giving this teacher a new rule to follow. You were saying, oh, just give me a rule, Jesus, as much as he's making him aware of the reality of God, the reality of our need, that we, before we can save anyone else, we are the ones who need saving by radical grace of God. God, who owes us nothing, who we have rejected, gives us everything to save us. That is the good news. That's the good news that Jesus was bringing. That's the good news of 72 we're talking about. And when we embrace that truth, that Jesus loves us so much, that when we hated him, while we were enemies of him, where we, we were like, get away. You know, that is not where I want to go. That's not how I want to live my life. When we were enemies of God, that's when he responded with radical grace. Not when we, when we were owed to it, not when we were friendly to it, but when we were farthest to it. So what do we do? I mean, we need to embrace it. That's the gospel. That's when Christianity, that's when Christianity comes alive. It doesn't come alive when we know the right things. It starts to come alive when we embrace the act of God on our life of radical grace that he loves us so much. And when we can't embrace that deep love for us, it will always be an act of what do I need to do? And Jesus is saying, man, you can't do jack. You can't do anything. You got to come to a place where you understand you need me. I don't even need you. I want you. I want you. Can we be moved by that sort of compassion? And when we get a hold of that sort of grace, we too can finally be givers of that radical grace. We can then partake. Can we be moved with compassion to know that we have been saved by Jesus and God is not after our, our, just a rule following. He wants people to love like him. He wants people to respond like him. And that kind of change can't be produced by knowing all the rules. It can only be produced by an experience of radical grace. Some of us in this room, we've experienced that. I remember talking to Justin the other day. He was like, I experienced God's radical grace. And listen, I've experienced this radical grace of God. I remember one Sunday, way back into the day, and it just tells you how old I am, but December 15th, 2001, I was done, right? I was so far from God. I was broken. I was angry. I just hated people. People were the worst, right? I was dying on the inside, bleeding out. My life was just bleeding out. I just didn't even care. Yet that was the day I experienced radical grace of God. That was the very day, the day where his presence began to overwhelm my life and God's love poured all over me and I started to break down parts of my life. I'm like, don't, don't even think about crying, John, because I was like just so cold, so broken and started pieces of my life started to break down and I experienced this flood of love that I've never experienced in my life before like that. And it absolutely changed me. That was the day that changed my life. December 15th, I wrote it down because it was such a, I was like, I've never, that was crazy. I can't believe that happened to me. We, I was at uh, a Thrive Church. I, I believe it was called New Life Worship Center back in the day where the presence of God just overwhelmed me. And I just felt like God saying, I love you. I love you. And that was the day I actually accepted it and not rejected it. 
See, the golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. But Paul says it in this way in Ephesians 4, and he pushes it because he has received and experienced the love of Jesus. He says, do unto others as Jesus has done for you. That's what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Truly, those who have experienced the gospel of Jesus starts to grow in compassion, grow in deep generosity, and a crazy ability to forgive, to do unto others as Jesus has done to them. Think about that for a moment. There was a news story that happened in 2015 in Charleston where a white supremacist came in and shot up a church, shot, killed nine people. We forgive you. It's very hard, but we forgive you. We love you. And in that moment, even the cynical journalists were saying, I'm not really sure what's happening here. Why would they respond like that? And listen, that has nothing to do with them trying to earn eternal life. But because at the center of their faith is a man dying on a cross for the very people who have abused and mistreated him. Unlike the teacher in this Jesus story, we don't love our neighbors because we have to do great things in order to please God, to make him happy, to save ourselves, but because something great has been done for us. That's the good news. We love because he first loved us. Let's just stand for a moment. I believe God is speaking to many of our hearts. We love because he first loved us. Just bow your heads for a moment. I want you to drink that in. And I'm not just talking to people who don't know Jesus today. I'm talking to all of us. We can get so caught up like the teacher, trying to figure out what we must do to be good with God. And Jesus is saying, I made it good with you. I made it good. I just need you to accept that love I have for you. Because nothing else can change us. Our goodness will not change us. But it is us being affected by that radical grace of God that while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were in our darkness, while we were bleeding out, while we were, we were angry, while we were hurting others, hurting the people that we loved, while we were cheating people, Lord, while we were broken, that's when Jesus looked at us and died for us when we were so different from him. The goal of this message is not to be like, oh, be a good neighbor and bring people to church so we can build bigger church and do Christian stuff. But the goal of neighboring is to love people made in the image of God. They're like you. To love people like Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. Today, I'm not asking you to try harder. That doesn't work. Or to be better. I'm asking you to get, get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of the act of the cross. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten the good news. Many times our heart and mind is the greatest obstacle and we will continue to justify. 
we will continue with religious Christianity and miss the fullness of relationship with Jesus. That's what he's calling us into. That's eternal life now. Today, I want to invite you. If you're in this room, I want to invite you to God's kingdom. I want to invite you. If you are here and you have heard this, this Jesus so many times, but it feels like you're hearing it for the first time, I don't care how long you've been coming to church. If this message, if Jesus is speaking to your heart right now, I just want you to reply. You don't even need to raise your hands, but reply to him. Begin a prayer, God. I make this relationship with you all sorts of things, but I'm not making it the right thing today. And Jesus, I want to get back to the place where I understand that you love me, that God so loves the world, that he loves us, that you have saved us. God, that you have radically saved me. When I was at my worst, you were at your best. And for others of us, maybe you've never made a commitment to start your relationship with Jesus. And today you're hearing this message and something in your spirit is coming alive. Maybe something that you've heard today is like it's messing with you. And you can sense God's spirit like I sensed that day. And that love is starting to fill your heart. You have filled it with so many other things. But love is starting to fill your heart. And if that's you, I just want you to respond. And I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hands. I just want to pray for you. Or just make eye contact with me. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, just be here in this place, Lord God. I pray for all those, Lord God, who are in the same camp at the end of the day. We are in radical need of your grace every moment of every day. Let us never forget it is not by works that anyone can boast, but it is by a radical move, a radical love of God. And if that has happened to us, how can we not respond in like how can we not respond in life? Let us stop seeing people as we see them. Let us see people as, Lord God, people made in the image of God today. Lord God, speak to us today and change people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You want to just sing one time? There will be never-ending reckless love of God. Till we chase His feet and Christ in life found peace night I could burn it I don't deserve it Still you Some of you guys, I want you guys to take the next step. And, and if you guys have been coming here for a while, just join us for Growth Track, a place to grow your, your uh, just a heart for God, your knowledge for God, get connected. Uh, classes are starting in, in September. It's just our next step here at Hill City. And then we have a next step for that too. We want you to continue to grow in your relationship and your affections for Christ. And that's what we want you to do. I want to invite you to that. You guys can be seated. Franco's going to come up. Uh, speak to you for just a little bit, and then you guys will be dismissed.
uh, before I give the announcements, I God put something in my heart that I want you guys to uh, think about and just know and understand that uh, I'm very thankful for the O's. They've been a very, very big and important in our life. So uh, if they've been important to you, give them thanks. These guys sacrifice a lot. And uh, pray for them. Pray for them and, and then thank everybody that is part of the church. There's a ministry in the back that meets at the nursery, uh, pre-K, the little kids or the older kids and, and Phil. Drew in the back, you guys don't even see him. He, he's sitting in the back and let's give thanks to everybody who's part of this. Jen. Um, uh, there is a, we've been teaching to our daughter Rosa to be thankful and she always thanks mom and dad for being here and, and John mentioned something in the beginning that um, we forget how good God is in our lives we forget everything that he does in our life and uh, just know that you're here because of him you're here you're here because of him so uh, with that in mind I just uh, in the bulletin you see uh, the ushers can come for the offering uh, in the bulletin there's a there's a call for for need for for nursery workers for pre-k for kids ministry and there's a need for every everybody in the church so i just ask you to hold this in your hand and and just pray if god asks you to be part of the ministry just obey his call and he's going to open up doors for you uh, we'll pray for the uh, for, for the offering and then i'll give some uh, announcements uh, father god we thank you for this day we thank you that you're good we thank you that you're you're great father god and you're you give us first father god and because you gave us first, we, we give back to you, Father God. So we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a, John actually said this, and I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, next week, if you've been coming here for the first time, for the last month, or if you guys haven't connected with anybody, please join us in a lunch, and a newcomer's lunch for next Sunday. It's, a, it's the 25th. It's going to be at the O's house. Um, the following Sunday, September 1st, Labor Day, we're not going to have service. We're going to have a potluck. There's going to be more information about the potluck uh, coming in through the bulletin or through the website. Um, then we have on September 8th, Growth Track. Uh, Mark and Julie, if you guys don't know them, can you stand up? This is going to be quick. And talk to these guys. Uh, talk, talk to these guys. Uh, if you don't know what Growth Track is, we just want you to be plugged in, in the church, and they're going to tell you what, what it entails. Uh, again, uh, September 15th, the baptisms. The baptism, we, uh, we actually pray before the beginning of the year, and we wanted to baptize 20, 20 people, uh, and we haven't done any baptisms. So if you haven't been baptized, pray. We have 15 days or 20 days to be baptized, and uh, it's, a, it's just you telling the world, that I'm being baptized, that I want to be in new waters. Um, again, the, the, the nursery call, if you guys don't know Heidi, uh, Heidi, will you stand up? If you, if you guys want to be part of nursery, just come in and talk to Heidi. Um, that's all we got. We'll pray and then we'll, we'll go home. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for this wonderful afternoon and we thank you that we're here. We pray that, uh, that you bring us back next week and that we can... Uh, just rejoice on you, and we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.